Welcome back to the In The Blues channel. My name's Shane. So today's video is our annual best and worst of 2019. So this takes everything from the last one of these videos, which was about the 14th of December, all the way through to today's date, which is the 14th of December. I try to release these on the same day every year. So if there was something that didn't quite fit into last year that I reviewed after the 14th of December, it'll be on this list because I pumped out a lot of videos in December last year. And I'll do the same next year. If something comes up after this video that's really good or not very good, I'll add it to next year's list. So just uh, keep that in mind. So this is all stuff that I've had a chance to test personally on the channel. It might not be stuff that was released in 2019, but it's stuff that I've had a chance to test. So it's all subjective based on my tastes and preference and experience testing hundreds of items in all different categories, whether it be accessories, amplifiers, guitars, pedals, and so forth. So keep that in mind. And I'm also going to put this on my podcast at inthebluespodcast.com. And you can also listen on iTunes for free as well. So let's get into this. We're going to probably start with what I think will be the worst items of 2019. And there was maybe nothing worse, in, in my opinion, than the Jamstack. Now, the Jamstack, for those who don't know, was the world's first attachable guitar amplifier. And I remember saying in that video, I don't know if the world needs an attachable guitar amplifier. So this was an amp that you clip directly on your guitar. It has a box full of accessories, which is supposed to make it portable. And it was just a mess. I couldn't get this thing to work. I followed it up three or four times off camera, trying to get it to work with different dongles, cables, everything. And it just did not work with my iPhone 6S Plus, which is a fairly old phone, but I'm not a phone junkie. So I just keep what I've got until it stops working. Now that item was nowhere near as portable or as practical as something like the Nuex Mighty Light BT, which just ticked all the boxes. It was light, it sounded great, it worked. It had its own first party software. Whereas the Jamstack didn't have its own software, you had to rely on third-party apps and sometimes that compatibility issue between one company's hardware and another person's software isn't always great. And I just couldn't get this thing to work. It just wasn't functional. The amount of crap that you had to take with you to carry to get it to work and just the weight of the entire box was around 2.7 kilograms, which didn't make it very practical. It didn't make it very portable if you're traveling. I, I would not recommend this and nor could I get it to work. So out of everything I tested in 2019, the Jamstack, by far the worst. If you got it to work and it sounds great, good on you, but I couldn't get it to work. Up next, we're going to talk about an accessory. This is a wireless guitar pack from Benico called the Golden Plug. Now, it's a weird name, sure, but I don't usually let that sort of sway me in terms of opinion. The problem with this wireless pack was that the actual connectors only turned about, or actually the plug only went about 90 degrees. It didn't go further. So if you're playing something like a Les Paul and you plug it in, the body of the actual guitar isn't touching the wireless pack at all. So it will just spin around and you'll lose connection. Look, if you're playing a Strat or something that goes in from the front, it'll be fine. I just felt like they just needed to engineer this just that little bit better to make sure that that wasn't an issue. Like, I, I just don't get it. Like, did no one test this with a PRS or a Les Paul or, you know, any of these kind of guitars? Even if you're playing a 335 that plugs directly into the front, unlike a Strat, which is kind of on that angle from the front, it just doesn't sit flush. So that's a huge problem. It just it means it's going to be a whole lot less reliable if you're moving around on stage, for example. For playing at home, it might be okay, but I just felt like that was a little bit of an oversight in terms of the design. I've tested maybe three or four other packs in 2019 that were all fine because they actually, you could you could angle them past 90 degrees so they would sit flush on the actual guitar. 
And I think that's a much better concept than having one that would just spin around if you were to walk around with your wireless pack. Not a great design. Up next on the worst of 2019 was the Joyo MA10E Practice Amplifier. Now, when I did the review, I was pretty underwhelmed with a lot of the sounds I was getting out of it. I think I said at the end of the video, for an extra 10 or 20 bucks, you could get a much better practice amp, whether it's the new XBT Lite, whether it's one from Boss or any of Blackstar, any of these other amps. So I would highly recommend giving this one a miss. You do get two channels and it's very simple, but the clean channel is pretty lackluster. The drive channel is, it's all right until you get the gain up too far and then it becomes a little buzzy and lackluster as well. So yeah, I don't really know who this is aimed for. When I spoke to Joyo about it, they actually contacted me. They, they weren't really that happy with my video, sort of critiquing it a bit, but they said, oh, you know, there's a price point for everybody. And I kind of get that, but, you know, for that extra 10 bucks, say you can afford $69, odds are you could probably push it to $79, and then you would get a much, much better amplifier. No questions about it. So in my mind, I would give this one a miss personally. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. It's making an awesome doorstop out there. So uh, yeah, the Joyo MA10E, give it a miss. And lastly, on the worst of 2019, I'm going to add this amplifier brand to the list. This might shock a lot of people. It might upset a lot of people as well, but this is just my experience with it. I didn't like it at all. It's the PRS Sonzera amplifier head. I had a chance to run this through my 2x12 Marshall box right after testing out a JCM800, and I didn't just did not like it at all. It was like a fizzy sort of rolled out drive channel, and it got so loud so quickly too. Like I remember just one half a turn you know, between say three and four, and it was so much louder. It just was like, whoa, what's going on here? Like, I couldn't believe how loud it was. I felt like the clean channel was pretty solid as with every amplifier out there. It's always got a good clean tone, but the drive channel just wasn't, I couldn't find anything in there that I liked for my style of music. Now it might come down to people who are playing fusion or something like that. They might love that sound, right? But for me personally, I found this to be the worst amplifier of the year in terms of the more boutique stuff, the more expensive stuff that I had a chance to test. This was a video that I never ended up releasing. I've still got it on my hard drive, so you'll probably see some overlay of it as well. I tried my best to get a great sound out of it. I recorded the video twice, and I still wasn't happy with what I was hearing back. So I thought, I'm not releasing this. I boxed it up and took it back. So yeah, the PRS Sonzera, I don't know. Let me know your thoughts on those. Up next, we're going to talk about the best guitars of 2019, and I have to start with my Gibson Flying V back here. So if you missed our live jam, I'll leave a link up in the cards. We filmed one of the gigs, just one for YouTube, and it came up great, and the tones I was getting out of this thing were just inspiring and really awesome, and it sounds great through all of my amplifiers. That's the one thing about it that I love. It has the best humbuckers I've had a chance to listen to ever. The burst buckers they use in the Flying Vs, they're bright, they're chimey, they got a lot of attitude, you turn down, it sounds great. The reach up the guitar is fantastic. There's so much to love about it, including that it's really, really light. I think a lot of people think a Flying V is going to weigh about the same weight as a Les Paul, but it's, it's about half the weight. So it's comfortable to play. The only small downside of it is it's a bit tough sitting down unless you banjo style it, which I don't ever do. But with that small limitation aside, the Gibson Flying V is by far my best guitar right now. I, I just absolutely love it, and it ticks all the boxes for me. Not only does it look super funky, but it just sounds unreal. So if you haven't seen that live video, check out the links and I'll leave a link up there. You can check it out. Up next on this list is the 2019 Epiphone Les Paul Custom Pro. Man, what a great guitar. And at the time I did the review of that, I also had a 2019 Gibson Les Paul at the house that also had push-pull pots and there really isn't much in it. You know, if you're on a budget and you don't want to spend X amount of money on a Gibson wherever you live, 
That Epiphone Les Paul is a great alternative to that. No questions about it. It's just a beautiful instrument. I also found the push-pull pots were a bit more usable on that guitar than on the Gibson. Now, the Gibson did have more functionality inside. You could use all these different dip switches. I didn't want to go anywhere near that. I just think in humbucker mode, you're buying a Gibson Les Paul for the humbucker tone, and the humbucker tones on this Epiphone Les Paul were fantastic. So if you're looking to get like a Les Paul but can't afford a Gibson, the custom pros are basically in every shop around the world, so you shouldn't have any problems getting that kind of sound. And there's not much of a trade-off other than maybe the funky headstock. I know some people aren't a fan of that, but me personally, I couldn't care less. I think they look pretty good. Up next is a guitar that's very similar, actually, to the 2019 Epiphone Les Paul Custom Pro. It's the Artist LP59CSB. Now, this was a video that just went live on the channel, and if you missed that, I'll leave a link up in the cards or in the description or something like that, and you can check it out. So this was easily as good as the Epiphone, except it's less expensive in Australia and New Zealand. So if you live in Australia or New Zealand, artist guitars are very easily accessible online. But I don't, I don't think they've got a shop that you can walk into anywhere other than in, I think, Sydney somewhere. But with that aside, they're just a really great brand and they've stepped up their game. You know, a while back, they sent me two of these initial guitars and I sent them back because they just weren't very good. And they said, hey, we got this nailed. We've got a new guitar builder check this out. So I, I checked it out and I was like, man, this is maybe the best budget Les Paul I've ever played. And I'll stand behind that because it is just so good. The binding's beautiful. The fret edges are great. There was no playability issues. I didn't have to do anything to it. it. had locking tuners. There was so much to like about this guitar, especially given the price. So I'm going to leave a link to this in the description below. If you live in Australia, definitely check out the Artist Guitars LP59 CSB. If you're a lefty, it'll have the L on the end, but I'll leave links below. Overall, man, what a great guitar at a budget price. Easily as good as the Epiphone. Comes in at a much lower price, at least here in Australia. So, yeah, very, very cool. Artist guitars, well done for upping your game. I, I'm, I'm impressed. It's much better than the previous version of the same guitar. Up next on the list, we're going to clump two guitars together. The Harley Benton SC Jr., which is the single cut, and the DC Jr., which is the double cut. You saw Dr. Rick do reviews of these on the channel here at the house. And man, just visually, they're beautiful. They played so well, you know, we were really struggling to find anything to really nitpick about them because everything worked. The tuning reliability was good. The tones were great. They had a single P90 pickup. Those Roswell pickups are great. You know, he's got Rick's, Dr. Rick's got Framus guitars and PRS guitars and all this kind of crazy stuff, you know, and when you compare them to the tones of these, there's not a lot in it. There is a little bit of difference in tone, but difference is subjective to what you like. So... Not always the more expensive one is going to sound better to some people's ear than the less expensive one. I think if you're on a budget, man, these Harley Bentons are really tough to beat. I'm also going to clump in my CST24, which is back here as well. This is like the Les Paul, uh, the Les Paul, the PRS Custom 24 style guitar, which is just unreal, man. I've been playing that thing to death here on videos. You've seen it probably in 50 videos. I've taken it out and played it live, and it's just a really great guitar. So Harley Benton, the ones that we've had a chance to play have all been really good. I know some people might disagree and they might have had you know, a bad experience with a guitar here or there, but for what I've had a chance to test in 2019, man, the Harley Benton's are top of the pile in terms of inexpensive guitars. They really are great. So I'll leave some links below if you want to find out more about them. But yeah, well done, those double cut and single cut ones, man. They look cool. I was just spewing there wasn't a lefty. I would have loved to have played one, but I think there might be one on the way. I guess we'll find out soon. One last guitar to add to this list was something that I never had a chance to play until 2019. These guitars have been out forever. It's the Yamaha Pacifica 112s. 
holy crap, how great are these guitars? I think I said in the video, are these the Squire Killers based on their price, performance, tone, all that kind of stuff. The one that I had a chance to play, which is the most common one, had two single coil pickups, neck and middle, and a humbucker in the bridge. And it was just unreal. The functionality of the guitar was good. It was nice and simple. I think it had one volume and one tone control. And that was it. I was just blown away by how the neck played. And for the least expensive guitar I've ever played, I think this year, yeah, it would have been. It would have been the least expensive guitar. It by far wasn't the worst. There was lots of other guitars I picked up off the shelf and went, oh, this doesn't play anywhere near as good as the Yamaha Pacifica. I almost went back. Oh, I did go back and I nearly bought it. I was like, oh, do I need it? Do I need it? And I didn't buy it in the end because I've already got so many guitars that aren't sitting in in gig bags right now. I need to up the gig bag or, or get rid of a few guitars. But that Yamaha Pacifica would be great for beginners. It'd be great for intermediate players or someone looking for a gigging guitar that you don't want to spend a fortune on that you don't have to be too concerned at. You know, if you've only got expensive guitars and you want to take it to a gig that might be a little bit, you know, suspect or dodgy, I would take a Yamaha Pacifica with me. And that way, if you lose it, no big deal, you know, but not that you want to lose a guitar, but you know what I'm saying. If you were concerned about safety or concerned about things going missing, you know, the Yamaha Pacifica will tick a lot of boxes for gigging musicians is what I'm getting at. So yeah, overall, what a great guitar for their price. They're hard to beat. I'll also leave links in the description. Up next, we're going to talk about some of the best amplifiers I had a chance to test in 2019. And I think the top of the pile for me personally was the Fender Bass Breaker 30R. I was so close to buying that amp. It was unreal. It's Fender's best drive channel by a mile, mixed with just a really great clean channel. The most functional and gigable amp without pedals I think they've ever made. Now, the Supersonic 22 and 60 are great. I've owned a 60. It was a really functional amplifier without pedals. I kind of like the 30R better. It, it just has so much more attitude. You can sort of push the drive a little bit more. And it just sounded so much better than the old range of these amplifiers, which a lot of people love. But in my opinion, that's their best bass breaker amp by a mile. And that 15, I really like the 15 as well. It had reverb. It had the gain channel. It was really musical. It reminds me a lot of my Marshall DSL 40. I also did a comparison between the two. And a lot of people preferred the brighter speaker in the actual fender over my marshall because i changed it out to the texas heat but the tone that i go for i look for a really great live tone that doesn't chop people's heads off which is why i took out the stock celestian speaker if you want bright leave the stock celestian speaker in the marshall and you won't have any problems there at all but the fender bass break the 30r man what a great amp it's still haunting me in my dreams i tell you what it is an absolute beast i think maybe if i can move some stuff next year you might see one arrive at the house. I'm going to buy one, I think. They're bloody good. <laughs> Let's keep with the Fender amps for the moment. Over to the Fender Tonemaster Twin Reverb. Now, full disclosure, Fender sent one of these out for review, and I didn't get a chance to test one until one turned up at the house. And i got to tell you, I was instantly blown away by it. I didn't expect to be as blown away by it as I was. I thought it was going to sound very similar to, like, the Fender Mustang range, where it kind of approximates a sound that you might know but it nailed it it sounded so great it's become my number one live amplifier right now because i can turn it down thanks to the power attenuator and it's super light and it turned up just before i got my knee surgery done and it just made getting an amplifier out of the house and into the car so much easier it's the lightest amp in my collection and it's the amp i'm playing the most as of right now based on those factors i don't know if it's the best amplifier i've got but for what it does with that big fender clean tone it's pretty tough to beat 
Defender Tone Masters has actually seen some action live on stage as well. I got to test it not only at a couple of pub gigs, but also at a festival recently, and it was absolutely singing. Once I got it up to a certain volume, which is about four and a half on the volume, it really starts to open up. And I think this amp sounds best on the 40-watt setting or at the full setting as opposed to any of the others. So if you're just playing at home, you can definitely turn the power attenuator down and get a pretty good sound. But when you play live, you really need to have it on the 40-watt or the full full uh, power to get the most out of it. And it's just it's a strange thing because you would think a solid-state amp, it wouldn't matter too much, but the, the amp really opens up once you get it to 40, and it, it feels completely different to play. It's got more sort of oomph and push behind it. It's a great pedal platform as well. I think it's a really great amp. So if you're looking at getting a Tone Master amp, I would probably opt to get the Twin over the Deluxe Reverb just based on my experience with them both. I think the Twin's a better all-around amplifier and just having way more clean headroom is an absolute positive. And also being able to turn a high headroom amplifier down on the power attenuator will make it much more like a clean Deluxe Reverb as well. You can get it like a Deluxe Reverb sound-ish, but with more clean headroom. So I would opt for the Twin if you're on the fence about getting one or the other. The next amplifier that has to be added to this list is the Marshall JCM 800 Studio Classic Head. Man, I absolutely love this amplifier. It was a rock and roll machine. If you're in a cover band playing classic rock stuff, this might be the best amp for that kind of sound. It totally rocked. Now, I'm not in a cover band. I don't really do that sort of stuff. But after owning the Marshall DSL 40 back here, it's a very different amp. I think the JCM 800 has a lot more brightness to it. But once you wind that up, it kind of goes away a little bit. Now, it sounds vastly different in different speaker boxes. When I tried it through my MX 2x12 box, it sounded killer at the house. It wasn't overly, wasn't super bright. But when we tested it through some speaker boxes at the store, when I went there with Dr. Rick, it was really bright. So depending on your ear and taste, it might, might just have a little bit too much sizzle on the top end. You can kind of dial that out a little bit as well. But I, if you're thinking about buying one of these heads, I would try it with a few different speaker boxes. Or if you already own a speaker box, Take it in and test it that way. But in my experience, that amp totally rocked. It was the best at what it did by a mile, and I really enjoyed it. One thing I should add to this as well, which might be a little bit of a downside, I didn't experience this personally, but I saw it come up in the comments, was if you use the foot switch to engage the effects loop, you hear a bit of a pop. I didn't notice that at all. I did use the effects loop from memory, but I just plugged directly into it and turned the pedal on, so I didn't use any foot switches or anything. So... Just keep that in mind if you're continually turning things on and off. Some people are saying there's a bit of a click there, but like I said, I didn't experience that when I used it because I didn't actually have the foot switch out at that particular time. But overall, man, what a great tone. JCM 800 Studio Classic, thumbs up. Lastly on this list is the Artist Tweed Tone 20R Amplifier. This is an amp I've used live maybe 20 or 30 times since it turned up at the house, and I love it. It's loaded with a speaker that I wouldn't normally use, is the Celestian 7080, but in this amp it rocks. I've tried replacing the speaker and I've always gone back to the Celestian 7080, so it does a really great job. It's a two-channel amp. You get a clean channel, which is completely dedicated. You get a dedicated drive channel that is completely usable. You get an overall master volume, and it's the Blues Junior killer, in my opinion. And in Australia, it's about half the price as a Blues Junior. It feels way louder in the room. It fills a lot more space on stage. I've used Blues Juniors where I gig at, and I've used the Artist Tweet Tone. The Artist Tweet Tone pushes a lot more wind. I think it's a much more functional amplifier than any other small little combo like this that I've tried. I've also tried a Classic 30, and I think this sounds way better. I really dig it. And if you want to find out more about it, I'll leave some links below. But like I said earlier, I posted a live clip, which is linked up here. 
And it's one of those amps that just holds its own with way more expensive amplifiers in the mix. It sounds great. It records well. It does a lot of good things. So, yeah, value for money. This might be the best tube amp out there. And when I'm not taking the twin out, which is nice and light, I'm usually playing the Artist Tweet Tone 20R. It's really great. I actually prefer this Tweet Tone over the new Cream Tone amplifier as well after doing an AB I kind of feel like the tweed tone is more suited for my style of music. But yeah, three of my friends have got these now as well. They've spread like wildfire. And if they weren't any good, they wouldn't own them either. So yeah, very cool amplifiers. Definitely worth checking them out if you get a chance. Links will be below. Before we get into this next section, I just wanted to give a massive shout out to all the Patreon subscribers for their support in 2019. It's really been amazing. Those guys have just stood behind the channel and helped it grow and without their support it would be pretty tough especially in the first six months of the year so thank you so much for jumping on board there this isn't a patreon shout out or a beg or anything like that but i wanted to let you know another way that you can support the channel if you're not into the whole patreon thing is by using the affiliate links i have in the description so the way that works is if you click on say a link in a video it takes you through to sweetwater you end up buying something else or whether it's artist guitars website I get a small commission at no extra cost to you and that's a really easy way of supporting the channel kind of passively you know so i really do appreciate that uh it helps keep the channel growing and alive and i can upgrade things like microphones and things that will help the channel be more efficient efficient and effective at just pumping out videos and i really love what i do and i, I just want to thank everybody for their support with that as well because i've seen both of that grow you know i've seen patreon grow and i've also seen the affiliate thing starting to work and I, I really do appreciate it it will hopefully make the first half of next year a whole lot easier than just relying on the adsense revenue so thank you so much all right with all that in mind let's get into the practice amplifiers so the first one that i wanted to add to this list is one that i've spoken about a couple of times already is the new x mighty light bt this is easily the most practical portable light and just great sounding small practice amp I've had a chance to use. You can either run it off batteries or you can run it off any regular 9 volt DC power supply like that you would power your pedals with. And it's great. It's got first party app, which means that it, they've actually written the software for it. You can download the app and you can set up different and save different tones thanks to using your phone. Or you can not use your phone at all and get some really musical tones out of the amplifier. So they've nailed it. Unlike the Jamstack, which was a mess. This whole Mighty Light BT is by far the best at what it does. It's just fantastic. So I can highly recommend getting this if you're looking to travel and you want something small that you can jam with. The Mighty Light BT Light or the BT Light would be hard to beat. I don't really know of any other amp like it that's as good. So yeah, definitely check that out. I'll also leave some links below. This the next amplifier on the list was something that I really enjoyed doing the video of. It has a couple of pros and cons, but I'm going to get into what I really love about it. It's the JTA-05 Sweet Baby 5.1 amp from Joyo. This thing totally rocked, man. It was unreal, and it took pedals extremely well. And one of the things that made it unique and also gave it a lot more clean headroom was the fact it's loaded with a 6V6 in the power section as opposed to an EL84. I think that's a really smart move on their behalf. I think some of the only small downsides is it only had a clean channel, no built-in reverb or anything like that. So if you want to have reverb, you'll need to add a pedal in, in the chain. But... With that in mind, I think tone-wise and how it handled pedals, it was fantastic. It didn't really sound great cranked, to my, in my opinion. It sounded better with a pedal pushing the clean channel, but it had enough clean headroom that it recorded really well. I just really enjoyed making that video, and I think in terms of small 5-watt amps, it's right up there with the Bugera V5 Infinium, 
just very different in terms of uh, what you can get out of it. It might not be as versatile as that, but tone-wise, it's it's very different, and it will appeal to a different audience. If you're a Fender fan and you love that clean sort of headroom, small practice amp thing, you'll definitely get a kick out of the Sweet Baby amp. Check it out. This last practice amp is also from Newex. It's the Mighty BT20. So this is kind of like a 20-watt version of the BT Lite, except you don't need the computer and all that kind of stuff to use it. You just plug in, and you can save any number of different sounds to it. It's just a really functional amp that had some really great tones. If you missed my video, I'll try and leave a link up in the cards if I haven't filled that up already. It was just a really great amp. It recorded well. It was almost like the perfect size amp for someone who just plays at home. Not only can you mic it up and get a good sound, but it felt good in the room without being overly loud and big. Sometimes there's a fine line between the speaker being too big and the, the volume being too much for some people. I think the BT20 is one of those amplifiers that would tick a lot of boxes for people who live in apartments who can occasionally turn it up, but even if you want to play at low volumes, it still sounds full. And that's a that's a it's a solid state amp too, so it isn't a valve amp, it has some digital effects built into it. But overall, it just it felt really intuitive to use and it felt great to play. So the BT20 from Newex definitely made the list. Over to the best pedals of 2019. This first one that I have to add to the list is this. It's the PAL 800 Overdrive from Pedal Pal Effects. Now, this is a Marshall JCM 800 in a box, and it nails the sound. It's unbelievable. If you've got a Fender amplifier, you want to turn it into a Marshall, get one of these. In terms of Marshalls in a box, this is by far the best one I've had a chance to use. I first heard about this on the Tone King's YouTube channel, and he compared it up against his actual JCM 800, and it was almost indistinguishable. I couldn't really hear a difference. So I thought I'll reach out to this company and see if I can grab one of these to do a review of. And I was totally blown away. I fully stand behind this being the best of what it does that I've had a chance to test, even in the last five years. There's nothing that's come close to this in a Marshall in a box. So yeah, Pedal Pal, Pedal Pal FX, Pal 800. Bit of a tongue twister, but a really great Marshall JCM 800 in a box. Not long back, as of shooting this, I got a pedal sent to me from Game Changer Audio called the Plasma Coil. Now, when I got this sent out, I knew it would be completely different for people who are long-term subscribers to the channel who are used to seeing a certain type of pedal reviewed on my channel. I thought, no, I'm going to mix this up and start doing some vastly different things, and there's a reason why. People tend to complain if they hear things that are too similar all the time, but people also complain when you do something completely different. There's got to be some middle ground there, and I love this thing. It was so out of my regular sort of bag of pedals or tones that I would go for, but I had so much fun with this. It inspired me to create the backing track that was on the video. One of the things I loved about the Game Changer Audio Plasma Coil was the fact that it wasn't built like anything else. It's just a completely different design internally to all other pedals on the market. So I got the thumbs up there. It also got the thumbs up for just being completely random and different. And it pushed me to kind of come up with parts that were very different to what I would normally go for. And I really like that. And I've lent this pedal out to Dr. Rick and he took it to a gig for one particular song part. People are like, what? what is this? You know, like it's so different. It's a fuzz distortion mixed with a ring modulator and what it does it does it extremely well i actually gave it to uh john from the who's a subscriber on youtube he's got it right now too so i'm waiting to see what he thinks of that but yeah it's a really great pedal if you're looking for something vastly different in terms of tone and you're into just sort of crazy fuzz tones definitely give it a look yeah what can i tell you it's just the, one of the most unique pedals i've ever seen come in on the channel so check it out
Up next is a pedal out of England called the Yellowstone FX Fauna Fuzz Drive. Now this pedal is pretty sweet and what it does, it does extremely well. You start with a really musical fuzz tone, which is something that you don't hear come out of my mouth a lot. I'm not the biggest fuzz pedal fan out there, but this feels very reminiscent of an overdrive, just with maybe a little bit more edge or attitude. But then you can also bring in this upper octave out of it as well, which is really great for some lead tones. It was really inspiring. And I love the fact that if you use the tone control on the guitar, it can drastically change the sound you get out of the pedal. So it's pretty interactive in that regard. So if you're looking for something different, the guys from Yellowstone Effects are just really cool guys. And I can highly recommend the Fauna Fuzz Drive pedal if you're looking for something kind of musical but different at the same time. So definitely give it a look. Up next is a pedal that I have to add to this list. It was maybe the most functional and easy pedal to get a great sound out of. It was the Dan Electro, the Breakdown Boost pedal. This had six different options on the front from, I think, Clean Boost through to Overdrive through to Fuzz that you could get just by clicking one of the rotator controls on the front. It only had two controls, the selection between one and six, and then the volume control, and it was unreal. I think my favorite was like two or three, and that was the sound that I really liked, but it can do everything extremely easily. Now, the one thing that I saw come up in the comments is about the design of it. It had this sort of relict aged look which uh, if you go check out the comments of that video, you'll see exactly what people were referencing that look to, and I, I totally agree. It's, it's an interesting sort of look. But looks aside, man, tone-wise, it was fantastic, and it is more expensive than the Billionaire series pedals, but in my opinion, it's worth it. It's one of the most functional pedals I've ever had come in on the channel. It's really, really good. Definitely go check it out. This next pedal on the list had to make it due to its functionality and options, and it's basically a pedal that does everything, and it will appeal to just about everybody as well. I'm tipping. If you don't already have a pedal board and you're thinking about setting one up, you couldn't go too far wrong with just buying one of these. This is the new X Cerberus pedal. I think I kept calling it Cerebus, but it's Cerberus. This has everything from MIDI controlling abilities all the way through to clean boost, overdrive, distortion, delays, phases, <laughs> reverbs, everything. It's got it's got everything basically. But the one benefit of something like this over some of the other pedals that I've tested, like the more G two hundreds and three hundreds and all that kind of stuff, is this is all very intuitive. If you've got this set up on the floor, you can simply just turn something up or down. You don't have to scroll through banks of effects. And for that reason, this is easily the best multi effects pedal of the year, in my opinion. This is a beast, and they've just updated the firmware with this as well, so I need to do a new updated video about what is actually being added to this. But overall, yeah, I if you don't already have a pedal board or you're looking for something that's just an all-in-one that's very functional, you can save settings to this as well, but the beauty of it is you can just use it like normal pedals. I think that's just great. It also has an effects loop out as well on the back, so you can run the modulation, delay, and reverbs out into the effects loop of the amplifier, and then just run everything else into the front. It's just like thought of everything with this. It's built well. It's metal. And yeah, this thing would um, yeah, cause some damage if you dropped it on your foot. It's quite heavy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a really great pedal. It's definitely worth checking out if you're looking for an all-in-one pedal. I would take this over something like the G200 as a live player any day of the week. If you're a studio guy, this would also do the job. But you won't probably get as many options with something like this as you would with something like the G200. But functionality-wise, this is pretty hard to beat, and this is, yeah, in my opinion, the best multi-effects pedal of the year. In 2019, I got to test a whole bunch of inexpensive guitar effects, but the ones that stood out to me the most were from Donna. 
And this was the twin series pedal. So there was a whole lot of these that I had a chance to test and I've still got a few of these at the house. Some of them were reverb and delay. Some of them were delay with a tap tempo and some had other types of modulation effects. But overall, these are fantastic. If you're on a budget, you're looking to get a delay pedal through the effects loop of something or a reverb pedal or whatever, you can't go too far wrong with these. Everything about them in terms of build quality, they're metal, and I've stood by this statement for years. I think Donna makes some of the best inexpensive effects I've ever seen or used. I've tested hundreds and hundreds of pedals, and in terms of what I recall during the year, these were some of the best by a mile, and that's why I've kept on a hold of this one. I think it sounds really cool. One of the biggest requests I've had on the channel both in 2018 and 2019 was, hey, are you ever going to review Keeley pedals? And I had so many of these requests come in. I actually screen captured them and sent them to Robert Keeley, and he was nice enough to send out a few of his pedals. So I got the Super Fat Mod pedal, which is a really cool overdrive, kind of like a Tube Screamer, probably not breaking any major ground there, but it's a full range pedal, and it, it did have a, a few different tonal options in there. But the two that really stood out for me was the Omni Reverb. This thing totally rocks. You could run this into your effects loop and just get some really great tones. Run it into the front end of your amplifier as well. Or if you're even using one of those amp sim pedals or even like something like the New X, where you want to then go direct to a PA system or sound card, this will do the job. You could also use this on a mixer in the effects loop. It's so versatile. I really love this. One of the best reverb pedals that's analog I've had a chance to really use. It's fantastic. The next one on this list is his compressor pedal. What can I tell you about this, man? I heard so many people saying how great this was. I've tested a couple of really great compressors over the years. This would be equal first with the 76 from the, uh, the Cali 76. This just really works great. I can't fault this. If you're into compression and you don't want to be spending like five or 600 bucks, the Kili compressor is great. It's not the most inexpensive compressor out there by any means, but for what you're getting, it's probably the best at its price point that I've had a chance to use. And I've used many of them over the years. So, yeah, Keely pedals, uh, definitely get the thumbs up. This will round out pretty much the effects pedal section. But I'm going to add one more, which I haven't actually done the review for, but I've been using it live and I'm loving it. So I'm just going to throw this in. This is the Maxon TOD9. So you might be thinking, is this another Tube Screamer? It is. It's basically like an OD808, except you get the little valve slash tube in the center here. And that also brings in another gain control, which gives you more gain and more tonal options. I love this. I've been using it a lot with some of my amplifiers, especially the, either the Tweed Tone or the Fender Blues Deluxe. It really works well with those amps. And yeah, I, I just really dig it. So you'll see a review of this coming up, but I'm going to add this to the list, even though I haven't done the review of it. I've been using it a lot and it sounds great. So this will round out now the end of the pedals for 2019. Let's finish this video up now on maybe a lighthearted topic. It's something that I thought I'd add to the list for the first time this year. The most overhyped award <laughs> and also maybe the most diversive award. So we'll start with the most overhyped award by far was the Boss Katana Mark II. Now, what do I think of this amp overall? I had a chance to test it. It's good. <laughs> Is it better than the original? It's subjective to what you like. If you don't already own one and you want to get the Mark II, go for it. I think it's going to be fine. If you own an original one and you're thinking about buying the new one, I probably wouldn't. I don't see there would be enough of a difference between them. Some people will disagree with that. I, I sort of trust Dave Simpson with this. He's a really great YouTuber. 
he did a comparison and he kind of felt like there wasn't enough of a benefit going for the new one. Now, when I did my first impressions review of the new one, I enjoyed myself. I had a good time, but I didn't recall it being any better than especially the artist version of that amplifier. So, yeah, while it was good, I think it's fine. I think the hype train was right behind it. A lot of people buy into the hype train. I always like to wait. And one key example of this is when I bought my Fender Marshall DSL40CR. It was right around the same time that the Marshall Origin amps came out. I saw so many people in the comments who clearly hadn't tested these amplifiers saying, oh, I should have waited. You're going to like the Origin series more. I'm like, no, I'm not. I know what I like. And that's the same type of thing when it comes to anything that you buy or anything that you see on YouTube, getting the hype train behind it. Always wait. Always wait for a few independent reviews. I think Dave Simpson, uh, his AB between both of these was really worth looking into. Uh, but what are my thoughts about it overall? I think it was fine. Like I said, if you don't already own the first one, just get the second one. If you already own the first one, I probably wouldn't spend the money on getting the new one. That's just me personally. I would probably opt to get a different amp altogether. And now over to the award for the most diverse video of the year on my channel. Without question, it went semi-viral from my standards of video. I got 100,000 views really quickly. It was the more Tone Capture GTR. Now, you might remember the thumbnail. It said something like, it's like a Kemper for guitars. It essentially profiled your guitars. Then you could pick another one and play it, and it would transform that guitar into the others. So, for example, you could take a 335, make it sound like a Strat or vice versa. And sure, they're going to feel a little bit different, and it might not be 100% accurate, but man, it sounded pretty good considering I didn't even sort of post-EQ any of those profiles. They were all as they were. I could hear... So much of my strat in the 335 at the end of this video. If you missed it, definitely check it out. Now, being that 65% of people who watch guitar videos are watching, or at least on my channel, are watching them on a mobile phone, doesn't fill me with confidence that people are actually hearing what they actually should be hearing. I, I've got reference monitors when I do all of this stuff, and I, I know I can hear a difference, and I could hear the actual pedal transforming some of the guitars really, really well. Some of them it didn't quite nail, but it could just be a fact that I didn't actually post EQ any of them. So it's kind of like a glorified EQ pedal to some extent, but it's way more than that. It's super functional, it's digital, and what it does, it does really, really well in my opinion, and I could hear a huge difference. Sure, you're going to feel a difference when you play a Strat through a, a, a 335 profile or vice versa. But overall, I think it was a great pedal, and it was funny seeing some of those comments come in. That video really blew up. So thank you to everyone who watched it and commented on it. I really appreciate that. So that wraps up the best and the worst of 2019 in terms of gear, in my opinion, and the stuff that I've had a chance to try. I always look forward to a few other channels doing these as well because I feel like it's an important thing to do once your channel gets to a certain size to kind of go back and reflect on some of the best and worst things and why, and also have a basis for comparison. It's one thing just to say, oh, that's crap. And to not have tested it or, or to, you know, not have any experience with other things very similar to it. But everything on this list, I basically had a chance to test out similar items to it over the course of X amount of years since I've started the YouTube channel or during the year. And in my opinion, these were the things that stood out as the best of the best and also some of the worst. But let me know what you think in the comments below. Thank you so much for the support again in 2019. I really appreciate it. If you want to find out about some of this gear, I'll leave some links below as well. And I will see you on the next video. I'll have a few more live streams coming up before the end of the year. But it's been a really cool year for the channel. So again, thank you so much for all the support. And we'll catch you soon. See ya.